All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest edition of The Peyton Doyle Show. I'm Peyton Doyle, host of The Peyton Doyle Show. I hope you all are having a fantastic day today. And today, I got a haircut. They cut it way too short on the top. They always do that. And it, it, I, I don't like it. It's like every time you tell your barber to just, just a little off the top, right? Just, you know, take maybe about an inch off the top. They cut it down way too short. They're like, oh, you want a buzz cut, right? No. I made comments for just a little off the top of my hair. And my comments were completely dismissed. And I'm not too happy about it. You know, I couldn't imagine what that must feel like if I was the face of an NFL franchise, the franchise quarterback of an NFL franchise. This happened to Russell Wilson. No, he didn't get a bad haircut, but his comments on the Seahawks offense were completely dismissed. Much like my comments on the length of my hair were completely dismissed. It's not a good feeling. I could tell you that. On Thursday, a report from The Athletic came out and said that Russell Wilson is extremely frustrated with the Seahawks and that many people around the league believe a trade could happen in the near future. Apparently, there was a meeting with Russ and coaches before the Thursday night football game against the Cardinals. The meeting was about the offense and Russ gave suggestions to head coach Pete Carroll and the rest of the coaching staff and reportedly those suggestions were dismissed. Then reportedly, Russ stormed out of the room. Obviously, the frustration here is reasonable, I feel like. Um, This is the new age of the NFL. Star quarterbacks need to be in the mix. You don't have to listen to them. You just have to act like you're listening to them just to make them happy, right? Say, yeah, we see what you're saying. We're going to try to put that. And if it's something completely stupid, don't do it. But the thing is, players actually play the game. They actually know the game. And I think that if your star quarterback is giving input about the offense on your team, which was struggling at this point in the season, you should probably take those into deep consideration, especially since he's a future Hall of Famer. Deshaun Watson, even, you know, Deshaun Watson wants out because one, the Texans suck, obviously, and two, The Texans didn't take any of his suggestions for the new GM and head coach into consideration. However, the Chiefs, you look at the Chiefs situation, they texted Patrick Mahomes before they drafted their first round pick last year. And Mahomes said, Clyde. They said, who do you want? He said, Clyde. And what did the Chiefs do? They drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round. Patrick Mahomes is as happy as in Kansas City, as he could be, as anyone could be. I mean, match made in heaven. He's super happy. Always loves Kansas City. I think he's going to stay there his whole career. They're treating him right. Seattle, why are you not treating Russell Russell Wilson right? Top three quarterback in the league. Him, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Maybe Aaron Rodgers in there too. Why are you not treating him right? Come on now. Also, another thing with Russell Wilson in Seattle That defense is not nearly as good as it used to be. And that offensive line gets worse every single year. It's awful. It's terrible. And obviously, there's there's reasoning for Russell Wilson to be frustrated there. Um, Later on in the show, I'm going to bring on Stezier Smith. 
local Seahawks reporter and sports journalist to talk about all these Russell Wilson trade rumors. I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say about that. So stay tuned for that. But I want to bring this up first. I think this is an interesting, interesting discussion topic to think about when you think about why these stars are wanting to be traded, such as Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. I honestly believe that Tom Brady has something to do with all this. Everything in the NFL leads back to Tom Brady in some way. I think Tom Brady set an example in the NFL. He showed to every NFL quarterback, you can leave a good situation and immediately create an even better one. The Patriots were a good football team during Tom Brady's last season there. They were 12 and four. They got eliminated in the first round, but they were the third seed in the AFC that year. They won six Super Bowls together in the, in the course of 20 years. And they won the Super Bowl the year before Tom Brady's final year in New England. That was a good team he left. Oh, and by the way, the head coach of the team just so happens to be Bill Belichick, the greatest head coach in the history of the NFL. But Tom wanted more. He wanted more weapons around him. And they could never get weapons around Tom Brady after Randy Moss left. So Tom Brady left New England and went to an organization that is historically a bad organization and has had little to no recent success in the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And then he immediately won a Super Bowl with that team against a team, by the way, that we all thought was going to be unstoppable. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. And then on the defensive side, you have Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew. They're the new dynasty. Not while Tom Brady's in town. I think Russell Wilson sees this and he's like, hmm, let's look at Seattle. Two Super Bowl appearances in his first two years. The team is always pretty good, but hasn't had recent postseason success. He has good weapons, but it doesn't matter because offensive line is awful every single year. And that division is getting even better. In fact, J.J. Watt just signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we'll get into that later with, with Steezy A. Smith. But the Seahawks have a great coach, too. So did the Patriots. The situation seems a lot very, very similar. You had an improving division in the AFC East with the Dolphins and the Bills. You couldn't get any weapons around Tom Brady. Tom Brady was sick of it. And he left. Same thing with Russell Wilson. Just you have the weapons, but you don't have the ability to use them because you don't have enough time to sit in the pocket and throw the ball cleanly. But the Seahawks make the playoffs every year. They make the playoffs every year. They're so good. So did the Patriots. And guess what happened when Brady left? They didn't make the playoffs anymore. They didn't make the playoffs anymore. They didn't win their division anymore. They obviously all of a sudden weren't so great, right? After Tom Brady left. Russell Wilson is the only thing keeping that team alive. No disrespect to DK Metcalf or um, Tyler Lockett or any of them, any of them boys. Jamal Adams, I know, is really good on defense side of the ball. But without Russ, that team is almost nothing. It's almost nothing. They wouldn't make the playoffs. They'd probably finish last in the NFC West without Russell Wilson. Russ needs more help. That's the moral of the story here. And Tom Brady leaving New England showed him that he can find help outside of Seattle. Now, I don't think he'll leave this year, but if the team doesn't improve this offseason, 
then I say, Russell Wilson might say, hey, get me out of here next offseason. Now it's time to bring on Steezy A. Smith, sports journalist and a local Seahawks reporter. All right, Steezy, welcome in. Welcome to the Peyton Drill Show. Thank you for coming on again. Also, I just want to point out, this might be the first time that I've been outdressed on my own show. I mean, geez, <laughs> this man always looking sharp. Steezy A. Smith is in the building. Um, now, Steezy, I personally don't think that Russ is going to leave the Seahawks immediately. I don't think he's going to leave this year, but I think he certainly has a reason to be frustrated. And I think it certainly is alarming to an extent that there are teams that he reportedly would be willing to go to. You don't make a list of teams that you want to go to if you aren't at least entertaining the thought of being traded. Do you believe that the Russell Wilson talk is real and he's really upset, or do you think it's just all smoke and mirrors? Man, hey, bro, real quick, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a real pleasure. SDZ Smith, for those of y'all who don't already know. To answer your question, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I definitely believe that he's unhappy. I definitely believe that he wants the front office to, to make more moves in, in regards to his offensive line um, and all that. But what I don't believe is that he truly wants to be out of town. What I truly believe uh, is the case or the situation in Seattle is I think he is applying pressure, you know, on the front office. He's giving them a sense of urgency because you go back to Aaron Rodgers and his press game conference, right, uh, after the loss of the Buccaneers. He's talking about how, oh, my future is a beautiful mystery and blah, blah, blah. And after that, everybody, the, the media was talking about, oh, Aaron Rodgers wants out. Where is Aaron Rodgers going to go? You know, uh, what are the next destinations for Aaron Rodgers? Does he really want out of Green Bay? Um, but I believe that was just his way of applying pressure to the front office and letting him know that, look, you know, um, I might be in Green Bay now, but I'm not going to be here forever. And so, you know, I need the front office to work with me and start giving me some more help. And same thing with Russell Wilson, you know, as we all know, the statistics have been floated out there, 394 sacks in nine seasons. That amounts to about 44 each and every single year. The only year in which he didn't take more than 40 sacks was his rookie year in which he took 33. And so, um, like I said, you know, he's just applying pressure. Um, I believe that if the Seahawks aren't willing to abide and cater to Russell Wilson this offseason, then he's as good as gone. So uh, the Seahawks are definitely in a in a tough position. They're in a tough spot. But it's unlike the, the Houston situation and Deshaun Watson. Where that situation is just completely um, – there's just a point of no return. The Houston Texans will not and cannot get Deshaun Watson back. But in Seattle, at least there's hope. And so – um, I don't even mean just getting better offensive linemen. I don't even mean just by drafting or signing this guy or that guy. I think it also means giving Russ the keys to the organization. Uh, Pete Carroll has all the power in the organization, but as we all know, he's a lot closer to 70 than you know than you might think. I think Russell Wilson has a, a longer time frame or a longer shelf life in Seattle than Pete Carroll. And so we need to start catering to Russell Wilson more. I understand Pete Carroll brought us, you know, those two Super Bowl appearances. He brought us a championship, but if we're being honest here, his style is outdated. He wants to run a dinosaur-style offense. Um, we no longer have an elite ground game. We no longer have an elite defense. And so we got to work with what we have. And what we do have is a top three quarterback in all of football. Uh, we got to continue to let him cook. And so um, one more thing I want to bring up. Last year, when we let Russ cook for the first seven, eight weeks of the season, we gave him the keys to the Lamborghini. But after a couple of parking tickets, after a couple of turnover-played games, we took those keys away and we gave him the keys to the Honda Accord. And so we can't treat a top five quarterback like that. You can't because what team do you see with the top five quarterback wants to run the football more? 
I don't think any team out there with a top five quarterback wants to focus their offense on running the football. They run their offenses through their quarterback, and we're going to live and die with Russell Wilson. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do agree with that. Now, however, I do think that re-signing Chris Carson should be a focus for the Seahawks in the offseason. I think that he's actually a really underrated back in this league when he's healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also think there needs to be some sort of balance there. You know what I mean? You see teams having success running the ball throughout the league. Um, The Browns with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. You see the Titans, the Ravens. They're all having success running the ball. And I think that the the Seahawks do need to get a little bit better on the ground game because their ground game is very mediocre, especially when Chris Carson isn't there. Um, mm-hmm. So that should be a, a point of emphasis in this offseason. But really the point of emphasis is like you you brought up, that offensive line. Russell Wilson is the most sacked quarterback like since he's entered the league by far. I think second was Matt Ryan, and it's like 70 less sacks for Matt right. Ryan than Russell Wilson. So it's an unbelievable difference between the amount of times Russell Wilson is getting sacked versus anyone else in the league. So that certainly needs to change. So now personally, like I brought up earlier, Tom Brady, I believe has pioneered this new idea in star quarterbacks that you can leave a good situation and immediately create a better situation elsewhere. You saw the situation he left in new England, 20 years, six Super Bowl wins, won the Super Bowl the year before he left and the year that he left, they were 12 and four and the third seed in the AFC, they won the division. But then Tom saw, okay, I'm not getting any weapons. They're not drafting well recently. I'm in an improving division. The bills and the dolphins are both improving. I'm going to leave and I'm going to start something new elsewhere. And he did that and he won the Super Bowl. Do you think that Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl kind of influenced Russ to maybe entertain the idea of leaving the Seahawks in the future? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you look at when all these reports came out, all these bombshell reports came out. It was a week after the Super Bowl, if not a couple of days after the Super Bowl. And as we all saw, Russell Wilson looked depressed sitting next to the commissioner and Sierra, who happens to be one of the finest women in the world. How can you look depressed sitting next to your boss (laughs) and sitting next to one of the finest women in the world that just isn't right and so you look at what was going on well he was depressed because he couldn't play in the Super Bowl he was depressed because he hasn't been in the Super Bowl in the last seven years and so yes bro I totally agree with you Tom Brady has definitely ushered in a new era hence the Deshaun Watson trade request I truly believe that if Tom Brady didn't go to the Buccaneers and won a Super Bowl this past year I don't think Deshaun Watson would be forcing the Houston Texans and to the point that he is right now and even shout out LeBron James, who, who kind of ushered in the player empowerment era in the NBA. And now he's starting to see some of that trickle down to the NFL. Guys are starting to realize that, look, the players are the ones with the power, not the owners. At the end of the day, we just got to realize that. I'm talking as the players. We got to realize that and we got to exercise that. And so you can't blame a guy like Russell Wilson. You can't blame a guy like Deshaun Watson. You can't blame a guy like Tom Brady because organizations, this entire or in the entire history of sports, organizations have never really received any fault for their shortcomings but players they receive fault all the time we're always the media is always uh throwing heat or throwing shade at this player and that player and this player and that player but we're not holding organizations accountable i think now that it's time and you know russell wilson sean watson tom brady lebron all those guys props to them yeah 100 percent. the nfl is certainly changing to more of a player's league and i think that's important because at the end of the day on the field it's the players that are putting their bodies on the line to make plays and They're the guys that are, you know, making the team's money. They're the ones selling jerseys. They're the faces of the franchise, literally. You know what I mean? So these guys are definitely doing something great in the NFL. But um, 
Now, Russell Wilson, I, I think is upset. Like we, we alluded to earlier. How do you think that that relationship between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks could be fixed? Because now it seems as if he sees Tom Brady wanting to leave or wanting to leave new England and then winning the Super Bowl, And then Deshaun Watson wants to leave because he's not getting the help and the love he feels he deserves. Um, mm-hmm. What do you, how do you think the relationship is it fixed? Is it the O line? Is it just giving him a say in the organization more? Is it both? Is it giving him a better defense like the Legion of Boom? Or is it a run game? What is it? Man, I think it's a combination of a variety of factors. Uh, I totally agree. For one, we have to improve the offensive line. Uh, I totally agree with you uh, from what you said earlier. You were talking about how Russ Wilson, um, he definitely is responsible for some of those sacks. I 100% agree. I'm not trying to absolve him of any of the blame. He definitely deserves some of the blame. And he even mentioned it himself in, in his press game or in his interview with Dan Patrick. Look, I hold on to the football sometimes too long. And so I'm glad that he's able to recognize that. But now it's not it's not going to take just improving the offensive line. It's not going to improve. I mean, it's not going to take giving them more control or more say over the organization and personnel matters. I don't think it's going to take just to, those two things. It's going to take those two things and winning. Like I said earlier, we haven't been past the divisional round since 2014, which is the last time we were in the Super Bowl. Um, we got to make the moves uh, this offseason, including, you know, bettering the offensive line, giving them more say when it comes to who we're bringing in. And I thought we started off, you know, on a great note by giving him say and hiring Shane Waldron, a former passing coordinator of the L.A. Rams. He had a lot of say in bringing him in. That was his that was his guy for offensive coordinator. And so I don't believe that we should stop there. I believe that we should continue to keep rolling. You know, it doesn't mean, oh, uh, you know, ask Russ about every single personnel move, but definitely ask him about what he wants. Ask him to make a list of some of the guys that they want that they want him to target and, and try to abide by that as, by as much as possible. And hopefully by restructuring some contracts, by extending some guys on the team, we're able to open up some cap space because we have under 5 million and only four draft picks to work with. So um, we don't have too much to work with, but I don't believe it's going to remain that way. We have to better the offensive line. We have to give him more say. We have to continue to give him the keys to the offense and not just give it to him for eight games, but give it to him for the entirety of the season. And we have to start winning. So if we don't make it past the divisional round next year or yeah, next season, man, I could really see him demanding a trade because despite all the reports, Russ has not demanded a trade. He's talked about teams that he would welcome a trade to, but he hasn't demanded a trade, unlike Deshaun Watson. And so if by next offseason, um, we're not catering to Russ, we're not building a better offensive line, we're not making any effort to appease to him, then he's out of there. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that if this doesn't change this year, he's going to try to ask out for next year. And I mean, looking at the division, honestly, and I hate to, I hate to be the guy that, that says on paper too much, right? Because we all know that's not how things equate on a football field. Like the Browns two years ago looked like they could win the Super Bowl, then they went six and 10, right? So on paper doesn't really mean anything, but I'm going to be that guy here on paper now after the Cardinals just signed J.J. Watt. I think the Seahawks have a good chance at being last in that division. Um, like you said earlier, they have no draft picks and they're well below the league average in cap space. So I'm not sure how they're going to do that, but they definitely need to find a way to increase <laughs> that offensive line help. And um, let's say this doesn't go well because you have the Rams. They just got Matthew Stafford and they look like they're going to be contenders this year. Then you have the 49ers who are going to be completely healthy with a solid defense and Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback, but even if it is Jimmy G, he's still had success in San Francisco. And then you're going to have the Cardinals with an improving Kyler Murray. D hop is going to have his second year of that offense. And you're going to have new weapons there as well. Now, especially on that defense with JJ Watt and Chandler Jones, who both 
since I believe it is 2012 lead the league in sacks by like a lot. And now they're going to be both on the same team. And then you also have um, Buda Baker on that same team. So that defense in, in Carolina is scary with a pretty good offense and an offensive minded head coach. And then I look at the Seahawks and I say, they have Russell Wilson, they have DK Metcalf, they have Tyler Lockett. That's cool. But we all know football's won in the trenches. So I'm not sure how this season is going to go, but let's say it goes poorly and Russell Wilson does want to leave Seattle. What do you think the price for Russell Wilson will be? Because it has to be high. I mean, you're giving up a top three quarterback in the league. That's something that's unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, look, franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees. And prior to Russell Wilson's arrival, the Seahawks never had a franchise quarterback. Jim Zorn, Dave Creek, Matt Hasselbeck, for as good as they were, with all due respect, none of those guys were franchise quarterbacks. None of those guys were ever top 10 quarterbacks. None of those guys were ever MVP caliber quarterbacks. And so the Seahawks have been a franchise since 1976, right? From 1976 until 2012, there was never a franchise quarterback in place. Now, with Russell Wilson in town, Look how many times we've been to the playoffs. Look how many winning seasons we've had. Look at how many 10 win seasons we've had. And in Russell Wilson's entire career in Seattle, we've only missed the playoffs once, which was back in 2017. And we still finished above 500 that year. We went nine and seven that year. And so the value, the importance of a franchise quarterback is zero to second to none. A franchise quarterback is the most valuable commodity in all of sports. They're just so hard to find. And so when you have one, by all means, you got to hang on to them. Even if there's a little bit of, of friction, even if there's a little bit of, of, of turmoil or a little bit of, of, a, um, of a problem, that doesn't mean you get rid of them just because he asked for it. You can try to fix it. It's like if you're in a marriage with the woman of your dreams, with the, with, you know, the love of your life, and you guys went through a couple of, of rough patches, you guys had a fight here and there. That doesn't mean you just give up on the marriage. You keep fighting, you keep fighting, you keep counseling, you keep counseling, and you stay together, you stay together. Um, with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, obviously we all want that to be the case, but in the unlikely event that all signs point to a breakup, I'm going to ask for it all. Like I told you before, I need it all. I'm not just a haul. I need it all. And so earlier in my video, I outlined a trade package with the Miami Dolphins. And what I asked for was two first round picks, two second round picks, a quarterback on a rookie scale deal, um, another young promising player, and maybe a future first and another future second. So in totality, three first round picks, three second round picks, a quarterback on a rookie scale deal, and a skill, a skill position player who's also on a rookie scale deal or, uh, I guess, on a cheap contract. So that's what I'm asking for. Or that's, that's the start. That's the starting price if I'm John Schneider. Yeah, wow. I mean, that would, that would go down as one of the craziest trades in the history of this league if it does happen. So I don't think it's going to happen this year, but man, we really need to watch the Seahawks this year to make sure they're all right. But uh, thank you again, Steezy, for coming on. This man, this man's great. Go check him out on uh, at Steezy A. Smith on all social media platforms. He just got on TikTok now too. I'll post a link to his yeah. YouTube in the description down below for sure. And thank you again, Steezy, for coming on. No, my brother, man. Hey, once again, thank you. It was my pleasure. It was an honor. Uh, I can't wait to have you on my show soon. But once again, ask DJ Smith if you don't already know. And before you even check me out, be sure to check out my man's right here at the Peyton Doyle Show. Subscribe, follow him all platforms. And then once you do that, go and check me. Thank you, bro. Thank you. What a great guy. You know, you love to work with guys like that. And once again, everyone, make sure you go check him out at Steezy Smith on all platforms. I'll have the link to his YouTube down below in the description. If you like football or you're a really big Seahawks fan, you're going to love Steezy Smith. So make sure to go check him out. 
But um, I want to get into economics with you guys real quick. So if the United States starts printing exponentially more money, right, the value of the U.S. dollar will go down because there's more U.S. dollars in circulation in the world, thus dropping the value of the dollar, you know, basic economics, right? I see the same thing with quarterbacks in the NFL. I think there's starting to be more talented quarterbacks in the league than ever before. So I think the value of quarterbacks is going to go down eventually. I mean, there's rumors of five quarterbacks potentially being taken in the top 10. Obviously, Lawrence is going to the Jags. Zach Wilson is going to go to the Jets. Possibly. I'll get into that later. The Falcons might take a quarterback such as Justin Fields. The Eagles are even linked to quarterbacks as well, such as Trey Lance, maybe Mac Jones. Same thing with the Panthers, maybe Mac Jones. Um, Mac Jones in the top 10. I don't know about all that. But anyways, now, obviously, I don't think all this is going to happen. There's no way. There is no way that five quarterbacks are going to get drafted in the top 10. You rarely see five quarterbacks get drafted in the first round, let alone the top 10. That would just be insane. But look at all these teams, the Jets. Sam Darnold is their best quarterback right, right as of right now. Um, and he's actually pretty talented. Uh, I don't think he's that great, but let's be honest. The Jets have never really helped him out a whole lot. The Jaguars even. Gardner Minshew is a solid quarterback in this league. And with the right pieces around him, you could win some games. The Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater. It's not his fault Christian McCaffrey was hurt all season last year, right? It's not it's not Jimmy Garoppolo's fault his whole team got hurt. They're even the 49ers are even thinking about moving up from Jimmy Garoppolo even though all Jimmy Garoppolo has done ever since he's been a 49er is win games. Heck, you mean that's all he done even when he was in New England is just win games, right? The value of quarterbacks are going down and and I think that we shouldn't be reaching for quarterbacks. Just look at this. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. And in that same year, Case Keenum and Blake Bortles made conference championship games. So the question is, why are we reaching for quarterbacks in the first round? I know it's the most important position in the game, but you can win with a Teddy Bridgewater, a Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't need Patrick Mahomes because you aren't getting him. Every year now, we're going to see, oh, this guy has the potential to be the next Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes this, Patrick Mahomes that. We're all trying to get the next Patrick Mahomes. There's only one of them. There's only one Patrick Mahomes. That's why he's so great. And you're not going to get another one. So you should try to get a better team around to help your quarterback be as close to the level of play as Patrick Mahomes as possible. Because if he has more help, he's going to be better. Just look at this, this year's Super Bowl, for example. Patrick Mahomes lost, right? Patrick Mahomes looked human. Why? Because his O-line couldn't block. You win football in the trenches. That's what this year's Super Bowl showed us. It doesn't matter if you have Superman at quarterback. It doesn't matter if you have the most talented quarterback in the history of the game against you. If you block better, you run the ball better, and you play better defense, you're going to win the game. That's how football is won. Let's look at that Eagles team. That Eagles team that won the Super Bowl wasn't particularly particularly spectacular in any way. But you know what they did? They blocked and played hard on defense. They won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. That Jaguars team in 2017 that made the AFC Championship game that almost beat 
the Patriots in an AFC championship game to make the Super Bowl. They blocked well. They had Leonard Fournette, who was running the ball great. And they had a really great defense, one of the best single season defenses in recent history. They called it Saxonville, Calais Campbell, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack. They were all playing extremely great football. So that's why you shouldn't reach for a quarterback as a team, because there are many of guys in the top 10 that you can get to help your quarterback that you already have play better and put you in a position to win games. But now let me tell you this. I'm not sold on anyone outside of Trevor Lawrence in this draft. And here's why. Zach Wilson, he played at BYU and the best team he played was Coastal Carolina and he lost. Justin Fields, he looked bad against every good defense he played this season and every Ohio State quarterback sucks. Trey Lance, he literally plays at North Dakota State He also only played in one game this year and couldn't throw for 150 yards on 30 pass attempts against Central Arkansas. And don't get me started on Mac Jones. He was carried by the greatest college football program in history where he has a first-round NFL running back, two first-round NFL wide receivers. Oh, yeah, and my dad's more athletic than him. So I'm not really sold on any of these guys aside from Trevor Lawrence. So why are we reaching for these guys in the top 10? Why are we reaching for them? You can get other solid pieces around you. And now I want to bring up the Jets. The Jets are a team that I think has a quarterback right now that you can try to develop for one more year. If you're the Jets, you're in a perfect spot at number two overall. You could spend all offseason and do your homework on quarterbacks in this draft, including the one that you already have, Sam Darnold. I feel like if you're the Jets and you aren't a thousand percent sold on these quarterbacks, just keep Sam Darnold. Just keep him for another year. He was the just the third overall pick in 2018. Just keep Sam Darnold for another year. He's shown flashes of good play on the field. If he sucks, your team's probably going to suck too. You'll have another high draft pick going into next year, and then you can draft a quarterback. Don't give up on Sam Darnold just yet. What the Jets should do this year, sign a running back. They have the second most cap space in the NFL. Sign a running back because you can't you can't have they had who? Uh LaMichael P. Ryan and um Frank Gore last year. They were awful. That backfield was terrible. So sign a running back, sign a solid wide receiver to pair with Jamison Crowder, and your wide receivers are going to be solid. And then you need O-line and defensive help around you. And then this is what you also do. You have the second overall pick. You trade back with a team who is thirsty for a quarterback because that's what it seems like every quarterback right now or every every team right now seems as if they're thirsty for a new quarterback right I don't know why so trade back with a team who's thirsty for a quarterback like the like the Panthers the Panthers all offseason have just seemed thirsty for a quarterback they don't like Teddy Bridgewater for for whatever reason Matt Rule doesn't like Teddy Bridgewater they want a new quarterback they're thirsty trade them the second overall pick for more picks plus the eighth overall pick That puts you at eighth overall, right? Kyle Pitts will most likely be there at eighth overall. He is a game changer. The prospect that a lot of people are sleeping on this year is Kyle Pitts from Florida. He will provide instant value to any team that he is drafted to. Just look at how the league is now. Kelsey and Mahomes are lighting the league on fire. If you took Kelsey away from the Chiefs offense, the Chiefs offense 
is a lot worse because honestly, outside of Tyree Kill, the wide receivers on that team are not that great. You have, you know, you look at guys like, uh, you know, we got Sammy Watkins. I mean, he's, you know, you know, he's okay. And Demarcus Robinson, okay. Nicole Hardman, you know, he's, he's fast, you know, you know, he's pretty, pretty good. You know, outside of Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, there's nothing on that chief's offense that is really spectacular, but Travis Kelsey makes it spectacular. George Kittle in San Francisco instantly elevates the play of that offense in San Francisco. When he's healthy, Nick Mullins looks like a good quarterback. Same thing with CJ Beathard because he has George Kittle to rely on every single down. Right. And then you see the Las Vegas Raiders, Darren Waller. He's great. And when he's on the field, that offense plays better. Derek Carr plays better when he's throwing Darren Waller the ball. Same thing with Mark Andrews. Lamar relies on Mark Andrews a lot, especially in the red zone. And I think that Kyle Pitts is actually going to be better than both Darren Waller and Mark Andrews. I think he's almost going to be close to the league of Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, maybe within three years of him being in the league. I think he's that spectacular. I mean, just look at what Brady and Gronk did for years in New England there. And honestly, they're still doing, right? That's a tight end and quarterback duo. It's important in the NFL. It helps quarterbacks out a lot. It's an extremely valuable position in the NFL, something that's extremely slept on for some reason, because a lot of people think that, oh, we have these great fast wide receivers, but really the tight end, you'll control the middle of the field. I think Kyle Pitts is, is going to be truly great. I think that he's also the reason Kyle Trask was even talked about this year as a Heisman candidate. Kyle Pitts made Kyle Trask a Heisman candidate. That's why. Look at how the Gators played without Kyle Pitts this year. You had the two games, one against LSU, that stands out. Kyle Trask did not play as well. Part of that wasn't his fault, but he did not play as well. And then Oklahoma, he threw what, like four interceptions in the first quarter? Kyle Trask was extremely helped out by Kyle Pitts this year. And Kyle Pitts is a guy you can't pass up on. So now let's think about this. If I'm a betting man, right? I'm a place down a long shot bet preseason, right? Shock the world kind of bet. Why not Kyle Pitts for offensive rookie of the year? Why not? He's going to be a game changer wherever he goes. He's a tight end, I know, but he's better than most of the receivers in this draft class anyways, right? And it, it might sound crazy, right? A tight end winning, but I mean, you're going to have Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be potentially going into a bad situation. All these quarterbacks, we don't know how they're going to be. Kyle Pitts is almost a can't-miss prospect. He's really, really good. Really good. And he's going to translate to the NFL game instantly. I think he's going to put up big numbers his rookie season. I think he might win Offensive Rookie of the Year over Trevor Lawrence. And I think that's a bold take. And I think that if you were betting, you should pace a little bit of a bet. And I'm sure you're going to get a big payout if it happens. But look at, look at this if you're the Jets, right? You sign a top-notch number one wide receiver, right? With all this cap space you have, you'll be able to get one. Maybe even Allen Robinson. Then you go and you get a better O-line. You get a better defense. You don't need to, you know, spend all your money on that, right? But you need to beef it up a little bit. You know, get a little bit better, right? Because you drafted Mekhi Becton. He had a little bit of injury problems last year, but he didn't play poorly when he was on the field. But the rest of the offensive line was not very that great. And then you could go get possibly a guy, maybe a Todd Gurley individual who is pretty good still on a cheap contract to help Sam Darnold out. And then you draft Kyle Pitts. 
you're going to own the middle of the field with Kyle Pitts. And Sam Darnold is going to have a weapon that he can rely on every single down to go to. You can find him deep. He's a vertical threat. And you can find him on a dump off as well. That's the great thing about tight ends is they're almost unpredictable because when you have a really great one, you can send him deep and he can, you know, get you 15, 20 yards downfield. Or you could also throw him a nice little five yard, maybe drag route, and he'll get you a first down after the catch. Kyle Pitts is a can't miss prospect. And I think if I'm the New York Jets or any team for that matter, I have him on, on my board very, very highly. So that's it. Thank you all so much for watching and or listening. Please make sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you may be listening. And also, if you haven't already, please make sure to follow the show on social media at Peyton Doyle Show. That is at Peyton Doyle Show. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you all so much for watching. And please make sure to stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.